you bow your heads in prayer? Holy Spirit, enter in. And in our hearts, your work begin. In your name we pray. Amen. I like to read. Now, I'm not talking about theology. I like to read that too, but I'll be honest with you, that's work. I like to read to relax. I would say of all the things that were passed on to be by my mother, a love for reading is one of them that I treasure most. Whenever I see my mom in the living room in my mind's eye, I see her in her chair with a book in her hand. When she had Alzheimer's and she could no longer order them, Reader's Digest missed her tremendously. They continued to write for years after she died. I love historical fiction. Like right now I'm reading a book by Jeff Sha'ara. It's called Wake the Giant. It's on the story of Pearl Harbor. I like the books by um, Con Eagledon on Julius Caesar and Genghis Khan. I enjoy a, a good thriller. I like Robert Ludlum, David Baldacci, guys like that. My whole family read together, most of us anyway, the seven Harry Potter books over the years. And probably my favorite book is actually a trilogy of books, The Lord of the Rings. And I have read that trilogy at least a dozen times all the way through. Whenever I want to get away from this world, I go to Middle Earth (laughs) and become a hobbit. You'd think I have more hair. I love an author who can create a good story and develop some really cool characters. Of course, the the best author is the first author. The creator of stories. The one the writer to the Hebrews calls the author and perfecter of our faith. The best author is God himself. Can you think of any more profound way to begin a story than the way the Bible begins in the beginning? God created the heavens and the earth. What's more powerful than that? Charles Dickens, the best of times, the worst of times, has nothing on God. He spins a story here. He tells a story here in Scripture 
that begins with creation, tells about the fall of man into sin, goes all the way through his great saving works in the Old and New Testament, right on to the consummation and the restoration of all things in the things in the 21st and the 22nd chapters of Revelation. Along the way, there are the, some of the best known stories in Scripture. We looked at creation today, the story of Noah and the ark. We think of the call of Abraham, the sacrifice of Isaac, right? We think of Joseph being sold into slavery and David and Goliath and them walking around the the walls of Jericho coming down, Daniel and the lion's den, the conversion of St. Paul, and all of it centering around one particular story at the heart and center of it all, the story of God's saving work, the story of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's a story worth reading, worth hearing, worth telling again and again and again. That's what we're going to start doing today. We're going to start telling the story of God. I call it the story of God because it's the story He tells. And it's the story about Him. And we're going to go through now. There'll be breaks. There'll be other things we do. We won't do this continually every Sunday for the next 50 years. But we will take breaks and we'll, hit, but we'll come back to this again and again. Because this story is unique. See, fiction writers, they create characters and they create scenarios that don't really exist. I love Ken Follett. I love the story of building a cathedral in the Middle Ages and pillars of the earth, but there is no town called Kingsbridge. There is no cathedral that he's actually talking about there. But the Bible... The story of God is not fiction. Many of you probably know the name C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, before he became a Christian, he set out to prove that the Bible was simply a collection of myths. And he couldn't do it. And it frustrated him. And as I understand the story, one of his good friends, one of my favorite authors, J.R.R. Tolkien, Catholic Christian, took him aside and said, do you suppose that your problem is, is that the Bible is a myth that just happens to be true? And that was the beginning of a big change, obviously, in Lewis's life, right? Now, this is more than nonfiction, too. In nonfiction, you know, they tell stories about people and events after the fact, but really, what we see here in Genesis 1 is that something very different happens here. 
by his speaking of the story. God created the story. He called it into existence out of nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke and the story began. He spoke and the story happened. By his word, God called the whole universe into existence. Think about this. I tried to emphasize it when I was reading Genesis 1. And I know you were thinking, we're going to read that whole thing. Yes. Magnificent piece of scripture. But there's a phrase that occurs ten times in Genesis 1. And God said. And almost every time it's answered by the words, and it was so. God is telling us right from the start something very important. God exercises his power by speaking. God works through his word. The scriptures tell us that from beginning to end, don't they? I mean, look at this. He says, this is from Isaiah. So is my word. This is a promise from God. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I gave it. St. Paul, Romans 10, faith comes from hearing the message, the message about Christ. Romans 1, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is the power of God, the didymus, the, the dynamite of God into salvation for all who believe. Or what about St. Paul's words to young Timothy? Continue in the things you have learned, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise into salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable, right? For Useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In Texarkana, we used to have a, something that we called Friendship Sunday when I was pastor up there. Every year, everybody was supposed to invite their friends to church. We probably did that here at some point. And I remember one Friendship Sunday, a lady came to church, and I don't know that she came invited by anybody. I don't know if she just showed up there, because I never really figured out that she was connected to anybody in the parish. But she came, and she brought her special needs daughter with. And when I went to visit with her, Linda, Linda Mabry said, Pastor, I would like Kelly to get confirmed. 
And so I contacted Bethesda, and, and uh, we figured out some good material for me to use for teaching your confirmation. And we agreed to start meeting once a week for about 15 minutes of time. And we met for two years, but I'll never forget the first time we met. Linda said she was trying to, to, to handle or, or control my hopes and expectations. Pastor Kelly doesn't grasp things that easily. And I looked at her, and I thought for a moment, and I said, well, you know, don't worry, Linda, we have an advantage that the history teacher and the science teacher doesn't have. All Scripture is God-breathed. Remember in creation when God took a lump of clay and formed a man and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being? That same breath of God breathes through God's Word. And it was an amazing two years. It's the, the confirmation class of one person that I'll never forget as God worked in Kelly's heart. You know, I have people say, I don't know if God is working in my life. And my first question as a pastor is, well, are you reading God's word? Are you part of a Bible class or a small group? Are you regular in worship? You wouldn't expect a carpenter to build a cabinet without his tools. Well, this is God's toolbox. His word is how he works in our lives. It's amazing what God does through his word. Through this story, God does the same thing in our lives that he did in the six days of creation. You know, the text stands out and he says, the earth was formless. It literally means chaotic and empty at the beginning. Well, what did God do? He changed that. In the first three days, he brought order out of chaos. He created light. He separated light from darkness. He separated the water above the earth from the water below it. He brought forth the land. He brought forth vegetation on the earth. He gave form. And then on days Four, five, and six, he filled the earth, the sun, moon, and the stars, and the heavens above, the, the birds that fill the skies, the, the creatures that fill the seas, and then, and then finally he created all the animals that creep along the ground, right? And finally he created man. Folks, that's the work God does in you and me. By his word. Sometimes our lives are chaotic, are they not? And sometimes they're empty. Sometimes your life and mine is like my mother would have described my bedroom as a teenager. A mess. And sometimes the mess is because we live in a messy world and other people do messy things in our lives. But most of the time, it's because you and I make a mess of things. 
It's because of our own sin. Well, what happened this morning? It's what we do every week when we come into worship. We come and we say, God, look at the mess I've made. I, a poor, miserable sinner. And he speaks his word of forgiveness and grace. He washes away the sin. Cleans up our lives. And fills us. He does that through his word. A few weeks ago, we prayed for a man who has the same name as somebody in our parish here. I went at length to let you know it wasn't John Troutman from here. It was John Troutman from Lamb of God. He was a good friend. His wife had cancer the first three or four years that I knew her and him. And as she died, and after she died, his life began to descend into chaos and emptiness. You know what saved him? The story. The Word of God brought him hope, gave him peace. The story that Jesus Christ was given to be the Savior of the world, was given to be his Savior and and Savior, and that he had died and rose again. And because of that story, because of that truth, that John was going to see Anne again one day before God's throne in the world to come. And God, by his word, spoke new peace and hope and purpose into John's life. And John became by God's working, my right-hand man for visiting the hospital. And anytime anybody from Lamb of God was in the hospital, John was there telling God's story to them. Now, the past few weeks, we have been hearing a lot of hard stories. Watching them on the news. Injustice. Racism. Violence. Rioting. I think there is no better time for us to be back in session. There's no better time for us because right now we need and our world needs this story. Because this is the story by which God fills the emptiness and brings order out of chaos. This is the story by which God heals our hearts and heals our world. This is the story by which he gives hope to the hopeless. The story of his love in Jesus Christ. This is the story by God, which God speaks hope and faith and new life into your heart and mine and through us into the lives 
of others. So welcome back. As we come every week to hear the refrain and go out every week to speak the refrain. And God said, and it was so. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which pass all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.